My mom has always been my guiding light, the person I turn to when I don't know where else to go. And in the past few years, I've turned to her a lot. I go to school in California, over 3,000 miles away from home. As I've struggled with depression in college, that distance sometimes feels unbearable. When I felt untethered and empty here, I always call my mom. At the end of Thanksgiving break my freshman year, I didn't want to go back to school. I clung to my mom before I left, crying and begging her to let me stay at home in New York. I told her that I wasn't happy and doubted I ever could be happy at school. She ran her fingers through my hair, telling me softly that she was sorry, that I should try to finish the term, and that she hoped it would get better. After I stopped crying, I crept into my mom's closet and stole one of her sweaters. It was blue and white and smelled exactly like her. Sweater in hand, I got on a plane and went back to California. I needed that piece of her with me. I wore that sweater in all my exams. I still think it's the reason I passed chemistry. I've always said there is no one who understands me better. Part of that, I think, is that she can relate to my depression. She too has felt empty and untethered. She knows what it means to have something missing in her life. But there's a big difference between us. My mom is a born-again Christian. She finds meaning and happiness through God and the Holy Spirit. And I'm an atheist. This past summer, after a particularly challenging bout of depression, I just needed to know more about my mom's relationship with God. Maybe, just maybe, this could help me find meaning in my own life too. What exactly did my mom find in Christianity? I wonder, will I ever find something like it? Uh, did you believe in God when you were a kid? That is not the first question I was expecting. I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I really came from a family that worshipped Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. I didn't really think about God. I'm sitting with my mom at the kitchen counter in our home in New York City. It's a muggy and hot summer day. I'm interviewing her about religion, trying to gather details about her spiritual journey. I generally avoid talking about this. I hate that we disagree. Looking back, I think I always had a craving for God. I had a, like a spiritual hole. People sometimes call that a God-sized hole. I was a part of a generation of people who believe just if you work harder, you can make it happen. If you believe in yourself, you know, you can make things happen. And in a way, you become your own God. I can relate to my mom's God-sized hole. Although I don't exactly know what it means for something to be God-sized, I do know what it feels like to have a hole in your life. Last year, my junior year, was particularly hard. I often struggled to find the energy to get out of bed in the morning. I locked myself in my teeny college single on the edge of campus, isolating myself from the people around me and wishing if I stayed in bed long enough, I could slowly slip away and be forgotten. When the hole is there, all I can do is search for ways to patch it up to make it less gaping and less noticeable. In all honesty, that's why I'm making this podcast. 
I'm trying to figure out how to mend the void. Before my mom found God in her late 30s, she too was searching. I was really into all that new age stuff, like, you know, yoga, meditation, breathing, mindfulness. I loved self-help articles. Um, I was on a mission of self-improvement and in a mission to find happiness too. And I think I was suffering from low-grade depression since at least I was about 15 or 16. I was clearly a seeker. I was seeking to fill some kind of hole inside of me. This idea that like there's some aspect of joy that's not quite there. I had three healthy kids, a loving husband. I had parents that were helpful. I had, I had every reason in the world to be happy. From the outside, my mom's life looked perfect, but she struggled to find happiness and meaning. I used to have to give myself a pep talk in the morning. This is after your sister was born. So I definitely had postpartum depression and just turned 38 at that point. I had learned that your Aunt Shannon, my sister-in-law, she was living in London at the time, and I heard that she was going on these um, Holy Spirit weekends. In her late 30s, Aunt Shannon began attending Holy Spirit weekends. These offer a crash course in something called Charismatic Christianity. Charismatic Christians believe in modern-day miracles and believe that they can possess spiritual gifts like healing or prophecy. Aunt Shannon had always been adamant that she wasn't a believer and never would be, so my mom was shocked to learn about her spiritual awakening. If Aunt Shannon, of all people, could buy into this, maybe so could she. And yet, she still had pause. I was like, oh gosh, like the last thing I really wanted to be was a Christian. Decidedly unhip. But anyway, I was at a point in my life where I was hurting. You know, I, I didn't know what it was, but there was this kind of background pain, and I couldn't take it. The doctors put me on Zoloft, and I used to say to people, still do, that if there had been a Zoloft God, I would have joined that church, because that was really great for me. But it didn't alleviate everything, and... I just, I felt an emptiness. My mom, suspending her judgments about the Christian community, decided she had to find out for herself. Was this Jesus thing legitimate? Could she have a relationship with God? Could it all be real? What if there was someone, a God, who could be my friend, who would love me here? I need to find out. I remember telling Grandy that I was going away and leaving all three kids. She was going to come help, and she said to me, this is bad parenting. But my mom decided to go anyway. Finding out about God and Jesus was more important. It had the potential to change everything. However, my dad was not as enthused. I think dad was really worried because I can get very excited about new ideas. And I think he thought, oh no, he really did think this. He was a little worried that I would be coming back and I'd be passing out Bibles at the airport. <laughs> the Holy Spirit weekend was eye-opening for my mom. There she felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and she experienced God and Jesus's love for the first time. She couldn't help but believe. And so it was really transformative that weekend for me. That newlywed period with God and with Jesus was the most amazing time all the heaviness had, was just lifted, and um, I was really happy. Unlike my mom, I don't remember a time when religion wasn't a part of my life. The mom who raised me was the transformed, born-again version of herself. 
When I was four years old, my mom sat me down at the kitchen table and told me that if I accepted Jesus into my heart, I would go to heaven. And I didn't question it. As a kid, I went to church, I starred in Christmas pageants, and I went to Christian camp in Missouri. As I got older, and life a bit more challenging, I became obsessed. I read my Bible daily, kept a prayer journal and religious diary, and structured my life entirely around what I thought God wanted. And yet, by the end of eighth grade, I started having doubts, and not the small kind either. Whenever I would go to church, I would scribble furiously in that week's program, noting everything I disagreed with. Why was the Bible so sexist? How did evolution fit into all of this? Why did Christians commit so many atrocities in the name of God? What should I make of this persistent nagging feeling that God just doesn't exist? I slowly started to realize that I was an atheist. I couldn't pretend to believe anymore. And yet now, after struggling for years with depression, I long for religion. I long for that comfort and happiness and stability. I keep wondering if maybe, just maybe, Christianity could be something I grab onto to stay afloat. Is Christianity the answer? Or can I find an answer? Something that will fill whatever void is inside me? Talking with my mom wasn't enough. I needed to learn more. I decided to fly with her to Jacksonville, Florida, the home of my Christian relatives. They all played a major role in my mom's spiritual journey. I was hoping they could help me with mine, too. Road trip, Sophie! Delayed on our way to the promised land. After many delays, we arrive at my Aunt Shannon's house in Jacksonville, Florida. It's 3 a.m. I'm asleep by the time my head hits the pillow. I wake up energized, though, to talk with my family members. First, I speak to Aunt Shannon and Aunt Lori. They tell me about how Christianity has transformed their lives. They've seen how God can heal people and how he can speak directly to them through dreams and through prayer. Their stories are beautiful and also unsettling. I'm not sure what to make of them. I also speak to my grandma, who's never believed. She tells me she's glad her children have found something to give their lives meaning, but she feels she doesn't need that for herself. I can't help but wonder, how does she know? On the last day of our trip, seven hours before we're supposed to fly back, I decide to go to church with my mom. We're going to the church my family helped start in Jacksonville. I can do the GPS for you. I believe it is actually on this road. So my mom and I are in the car. We are on our way to church. What's the church called again? Like River City? Uh, River City, RCC, River City Church. River City Church. Okay, um, you you have to go right, so. Um, this is probably the first time I've been to church in years. I don't even remember the last time I went to church. You didn't say anything? <laughs> Good morning. How do you think the trip's been? Fun. I really love connecting with everybody. Have you gotten any surprises in your interviews? 
I don't know. I'm still processing. I feel like I expected a lot of the things that I heard. I don't know. I don't know. The coffee shop is up here somewhere. It's been a lot of talk about religion in one weekend. In a weird way, I wanted something to happen to me this weekend. I wanted some sort of sign that maybe God exists. But not just any sign, a crazy sign. I wanted to see angels, to feel the Holy Spirit, something like that. But I was coming up empty-handed. In a last-ditch effort, I came to church. By the time we arrive, worship has already begun. At the end of the service, the church leadership asks people to walk to the front to receive prayer. After some convincing from my mom, I walk to the front of the church, hold my hands out, close my eyes, and wait for prayer ministers to put their hands on me. Rose, a prayer minister, approaches me, laying her hands on my back. As soon as she touches me, I feel a sense of peace. My eyes begin to well up with tears. I concentrate on holding them back. Rose begins to pray for me. Holy Spirit, just come from head to toe. I pray to have blood circulation, Lord, that the oxygen... Rose prays that I'll be refreshed and renewed, that I will find stability and peace. After she finishes, she tells me what she saw while praying for me. She says there's chaos in my life. She says I'm in an earthquake, that everything is shaking. She tells me that God is something firm I can hold on to. But there's all this chaos going around. It's like in an earthquake. You know, everything is shaking and falling everywhere. And all you want is something just to hold on to and stay stable. And I feel like the Lord is saying, you've always held to me. So I am your stability. As Rose talks to me, I can only nod. If I speak, I'll start crying. I'm not happy or sad. I just feel overwhelmed by Rose's words for me. They ring true. I feel the chaos, I feel the earthquake that she describes in my life, and I'm desperately grasping at something stable to hold on to, some kind of solid ground. Later, my Aunt Shannon tells me that my emotional response is the Holy Spirit moving through me. Next, Rose prays for my mother. I've never seen my mom cry so hard. After the prayer ends, I approach my mom. I want to know if she's okay. It's noisy and chaotic. Everyone is leaving church. I just like to cry. I mean, I don't know, there's just so much. I miss God. It looks so sad. You're making me cry watching you cry. Mom. 
After we return home to New York, I keep replaying the prayer at church in my mind. Why was I so moved by Rose's prayer for me? Why was my mother? I keep thinking about the earthquake Rose described. Will I find solid ground? So we went to RCC this weekend, a church my family helped plant. It's originally from London. River City Church. River City Church. And um, I would say that you had a very like emotional response, both to the sermon, as well as at the end of church, you were crying. My mom and I are back at our kitchen counter in New York. We're talking about our trip. I'm a crier. I love to cry. At my most desperate moments in life, I can't find my tears, so it's a good thing when I can cry because that means I'm in touch with my emotions. My mom tells me there are several reasons she cried that day. First, my mom explains that recently she's been grappling with her faith. My faith has been on a back burner and has been suffering. Ever since the 2016 election, my mom feels like she's lost her Christian community. She can't understand how anyone who follows God and leads with love could vote for Trump. On top of that, all three of her children are now atheists. She has no one to turn to about her faith, and she feels all alone. The second reason she cried has to do with me. I was just overwhelmed. It really wasn't about me. It was about me as a mother watching you being prayed for. I can't speak to what your existential experience is as a 21-year-old. I know when I was your age, um, I have such clear memories of being a late teen and early 20 that I felt such an enormous hole. I was watching you being prayed for, and the idea that you could possibly be experiencing now in your early 20s, the kind of sort of emptiness and angsty feeling I had when I was your age. I don't want that for anyone. And so I was wondering and and praying for you to feel filled and if God is something that could fill you and, and help you and then I want that for you. And then, of course, I got to be prayed for. And quite honestly, I don't even remember Rose, um, what Rose said to me. It didn't matter. She did have words for me, but I was praying for you. Regardless of what I believe, I think having someone pray for you that sort of way is kind of uh, magical. That's exactly what it was like, magical. At the church, I felt comforted, I felt safe, and I felt weirdly understood. I was moved by the prayer and moved by my mom's emotional response. And yet I still didn't believe. I still couldn't believe. I hadn't felt God's presence. I had just felt the power of other people's love. I still felt skeptical about Christianity and about faith. I knew what I had to do now. I had to broach my atheism with my mom. It's probably my least favorite thing to discuss with her. Now I want to switch gears a little bit. To your atheism? To talk about myself. (laughs) Um, I love to talk about you. Oh, gosh. I was very religious in middle school. I know. You won the award at at, Canica. At Christian camp, yeah. At Christian camp, you won the award. I won, like, the most, like, it's called the I'm Third Award, and it's, like, God first, other second, yourself third, and it's, like, the big Christian award that you can win at the camp. I was, like, the Christian. You were the Christian. Um, People literally, when they announced your name, 
mothers, other mothers and fathers in the in the assembly were like, "Wow, wow!" And she's from New York. How could that be? Wow, you must be so proud. <laughs> yes. I was kind of shocked. Um, yeah, and so um, I have to say though, that summer you came back so nice. You were the kind, kind Sophie. My mom's comment catches me off guard. That summer, that summer my mom says I was nice. I was actually hurting a lot. I wasn't eating. My mom didn't seem to see my unhappiness. She didn't see it then and remembers it wrong now. I wasn't planning on sharing this in the moment, but I blurted out. Yeah, but I was also like so repressed. There's also a lot of other things going so, on then. I was also not eating. Like, it was, I mean, if we look back on it, it was a very troubled you were kid. Not, I, was, I was desperately seeking a change. Oh, honey. I'm going to have cry. I'm sorry. That's no, okay. I love you. It, like, although I was nice and, like... It was fake. It wasn't that it was fake. I, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that it was fake. It was that I really wanted to change because I had this sounds dumb I was so little but I had a horrible sixth grade year and I felt like mm. I didn't have friends and I didn't know I felt like I was a bad person I didn't know what I was doing and so I was like what can I do to change and I, they, I thought the answer was like God and be nice and oh honey and then um and I'm gonna cry I don't know why I'm sorry honey I love you come here You okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> um, that was a really hard time. No, it wasn't. But the thing is, it was hard, but it also like worked. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, in some ways, I was a lot happier. I made my like my really close friends that year. I'm, uh, I'm actually. I hadn't expected to talk about the dark side of my religious phase. I'd never talked to my mom about that before. I was overwhelmed by how it all rushed out of me. I couldn't continue recording. I became very religious the summer after sixth grade. I know this may sound silly, but sixth grade was a challenging year for me. I felt mean, ugly, and isolated. I felt like I was a bad person. That summer, I pushed my sister and she fell and scraped her back on glass. My parents sat me down and told me that they didn't know what to do with me, that if I continued on in this way, I would ruin our family. I decided then that I needed to change. When I went to Christian camp later that summer, I ate it up. I started practicing like I'd never practiced before. I stayed up late to read my Bible and pray, I consciously thought about putting myself last, and I sought spiritual advice from mentors at camp. And yet, at the same time, I stopped eating. I lost a lot of weight. I was trying to take control of my life, to monitor everything, to try to be and look perfect. I was a chubby preteen, and now, after camp, I was bone thin. My mom never expressed concerns about my weight loss. She praised me for how I looked and how nice I had become. Why didn't she see that I was suffering? 
Why couldn't she wrap me in her arms and kiss the top of my head and make everything okay? My move toward atheism coincided with the move toward more healthy eating habits. I think this is one of the reasons it took me so long to tell my mom I wasn't a believer. I still wonder, what does my mom think about my atheism? I was scared that um, it would just be devastating for you. And I also get to that if you believe that by accepting Christ, you will have an eternal life. If your own child doesn't buy into that, right. that's the worst thing imaginable. Mm-hmm. And so I also I also feared that too that like either it would make you it would make it would leave you heartbroken and then also it might encourage you to like ramp up. Sophie, this is the one thing is I don't think you're having different spiritual beliefs than I do has been as hard on me as it's been hard on you. So the fact that you turned away from religion and God, Jesus, it wasn't that I was, you know, worried that you wouldn't go to hell. It was that I was worried that you wouldn't experience hell on earth. My mom's worry scares me. Will life always be like that for me? I decided I needed another perspective. I wanted to talk to someone who found meaning in something outside of religion, someone who had also turned away from Christianity. So I decided to talk to my younger sister, Anna. Anna just graduated from high school and is about to embark on a gap year. Like me, she turned away from religion as a teenager. I want to know how she finds purpose in her life without God. Does she also feel that there is something missing? Anna also understands my situation. She knows I've been having a difficult time, just like my mom has been. Anna and I are curled up on her bed. It's raining. It's not really that much of a part of my life. And sometimes it would be nice to believe in God, but I don't think about it that often, really. Even when Anna did believe, it wasn't a big part of her life. And now she seems to find meaning in other ways besides religion. So much of that void and that unknown can be filled through human connection and a commitment to knowledge and a commitment to ideas and a commitment, I just burped, and (laughs) a commitment to a physical place and a commitment to something they care about and want to fight for. Why are you smiling? No, I'm just, I'm smiling. Um, I'm just like listening to you. You're not worried really about the void. It's like you will find a replacement and you're so sure of it. And I think that's just refreshing to hear because I don't think I think that way. Reality hasn't hit me yet in the same way. Yeah, I guess also like I've had a hard time like the last couple of years. I think sometimes when you have a hard time for an extended period of time, maybe you just have a darker outlook on life. Well, do you think that if you were religious, your depression would be cured? No, I don't. But mom, like, that's what mom says. That's mom's story. But she, it doesn't actually go away. Like, it doesn't go away, but it's helped with it's yeah. helped her instrumentally. 
and, and I and I and I I, I understand what she's saying yeah, when she talks but, about the whole she talks about this void. And I know logically that's not gonna cure my depression. I know that. It's more just that I sometimes I feel like I, I don't know what the purpose is, you know, like what am I here for? What am I supposed to be what am I supposed to be doing? And I think religion helps you to answer those questions. Yeah. I think I'm looking for a way in which I can go about finding those answers. Yes. And maybe I'll never find those answers. In some ways now, I'm just as lost as when I started. I'm still processing the same things I've been grappling with for years. Yet I do have one answer. I don't think Christianity is going to fill my void. We have so much in common, my mom and I, but we are not the same. I think it's freeing that my answer will not be hers. Thank mm-hmm. you.